Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Laura Donnelly. And I'm Jill Handley. And this is season four, episode two, Reimagining School with Todd Nessaloni. So last week, we kicked off season four by talking about reimagining schools and shared the first steps of our journey with you. As promised, this season is going to be epic as we have some of the nation's most innovative school leaders joining us to share their experience and inspirations. Today, we are so excited to have author, podcast host, blogger, speaker, and innovative leader, Todd Nessaloni. All right, everybody. So with us today, we have Todd Nessaloni. Um, he was the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership for the Texas Elementary Principals and Supervisors Association. He was previously a principal or lead learner at a pre-K through five school in Texas. He's an award-winning author for his books, Kids Deserve It, which I love, um, Stories from the Web, Sparks in the Dark, and his newest book, When Kids Leave lead. He has also published a children's book, Spruce and Lucy. Todd has been recognized by John C. Maxwell as a top 10 finalist for the 2018 Transformational Leadership Award by the White House as a connected educator, champion of change, by the National Board, National School, School Board Association as one of the 20 to watch in education, the Center for Digital Education as one of their top 40 innovators in education, the BAMIs as the National Elementary Principal of the Year and the National Elementary Teacher of the Year and the Texas Computer Education Association as their Texas Elementary Teacher of the Year. Wow, not only is that a mouthful, but that is so impressive, Todd. Uh, <laughs> we, are <laughs> so you. we are so honored to have you with us today. I have to tell you that the first time I heard you speak, I believe it was probably about four or five, you know, with the pandemic time kind of runs together, but I think it was about four or five years ago, you, had, um, you were um, presenting at one of the, uh, I think the national elementary school principal conferences and so i it was like all this energy was you know vibing from the room i was like who is this guy let's get in here and wow since then i've just been following all your stuff so thanks so much for being with us today oh thank you i'm so thrilled to be here to talk with you all All right todd so in this season um we've really been talking a lot about uh breaking down barriers to reimagine school so we know what an innovative leader and learner you are so what are your top three tips for leaders who are considering challenging the status quo and reimagining their school you know i think sometimes when we hear that we think the ideas have to be these big world changing oh my goodness it's a ton of work ideas and for me i always think that the best things that i ever did that i felt were truly innovative and made lasting change were somewhat little little things such as you know i re i believe that if you truly want to be an innovative leader you have to learn how to serve and, you know, I, I think of the ultimate servant, which would be Jesus, about he didn't even have care about getting down and washing people's feet. And so if you're going to be a leader that people want to follow, even in the difficult seasons, even when things seem insurmountable, you've got to be a leader who's willing to say, I'm okay with getting there and covering a teacher's class. I'm okay with writing notes to staff and letting them know how much I appreciate them, with serving lunch duty, with going and helping out when a teacher's having a rough day, just spending some time with them and letting them talk it out. Like you've gotta be willing to serve. And so when I think about innovative leadership, that's number one. The second thing I think about is, you know, I believe that so much of our work as educators is done on the campus and every single event we do for families. 
time differently. I, I think about missionaries. Missionaries do not search and beg you to come to church. Out and they're in the communities in the world. And so, as lead as leaders and educators, we can't do everything at school and think that it's going to be a fantastic event. We have to get out of our walls and go into the community. Partner with local community buildings. Go to apartment complexes. Partner with churches, nonprofits, whatever it is in your area. But get out to where the people are, because that was a really big lesson I learned in my community when really thinking about why aren't parents coming to my events. And when I truly spent time to stop talking and stop advertising and instead listen, I was hearing story after story of my car broke down and I didn't know who to ask for a ride. My washing machine broke last week and we didn't have any clean clothes. I was not going to let anybody smell what, what we were smelling like at the time. I had a terrible experience at that school when I was a kid. It's too painful for me to walk in or even things such as, Todd, I dropped out in junior high or high school. And it is intimidating to be around that many people who have these quote unquote fancy college degrees. And so I realized that we were setting ourselves up for failure by not listening and getting out to them. And these two things that I just shared about being a servant and getting out in the community, they may not stream, ex seem extremely innovative, but you'll find people who do the most innovative things, there's small little switches that they do that people go, oh, that's so, why didn't I think of that? That's so easy, but it makes huge change. I completely agree. It's funny, um, that second thing that you shared about actually listening to families, we, we were really um, kind of doing some of the same things last year. Like, why are people not showing up? We feel like we've planned all these great things and we just don't have enough uh, parent voice. And we had our lead family engagement person with us. And she said, have you asked families what they want? And we were like, <laughs> what? It sounds like <laughs> such a no brainer. And when someone puts you on, on, on check like that, you're like, Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. What a great idea that you asked the families what they want. How about that? Yeah. Well, and you know what I would say to leaders or educators who are listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I feel so ignorant. Why didn't I think of things like this? I think it's important to remember that at, when you are in education, you are doing a thousand things all the time. You are going to forget stuff that you heard about and loved last week much less last month or last year, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> right. So that's the great thing about listening to podcasts, reading books, attending PD. It's some of those things that you hear that stick with you the most are things you had already heard before, but had forgotten in the midst of the other thousand things you were doing. Or you're right. It's just that simple little mindset shift where we were, we were thinking we were the experts on what our families needed or wanted to know instead of actually like opening it up and hearing their voice. <laughs> yep. You know, we think as educators, we always think that we've got these great ideas and they're the best. And sometimes <laughs> we find, well, when you stop and like ask your students what they want or ask the families what they want, you're like, oh, that would have been much easier than spending all this time creating something they didn't care about. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So we, in your book, um, we love the sentence on page 19. Um, in chapter two of Kids Deserve It, it says, worse than loneliness is the negativity that comes when we're in an environment where even if you want to innovate and push boundaries, you feel isolated by people who aren't willing to do anything but push back. So know that obviously you've had these experiences or you wouldn't have written this. What suggestions do you have for leaders who have staff members that are constantly making excuses for why they can't do something? 
you know, when you are an innovator, whether that is a teacher or a leader, you are not going to have huge um, crowds wanting to do your innovative stuff because change is scary and change is hard. If change were easy, we'd all be changing all the time. Um, but as a leader, you know, in the in the classroom, being innovative wasn't as scary to me because I could close my door. I could do what I wanted with my students. I'd find my people online if they weren't there on my team or on my campus. Being a leader is a little bit different <laughs> because you can't just close your office door and innovate and expect the campus to change. <laughs> and so there's several things that I think about. And one of them is some advice I got from my friend, Ron Clark. And he told me, because I was, I reached out to him and I said, look, I, I did this really fan, I thought fantastic thing for my team. I worked really hard on it and people just seemed unappreciative. And it hurt me because I was like, this was a lot of work. Right. And uh, he said, Todd, you've got to remember, you could buy every single person on your staff a Ferrari and somebody would come to you and say, why isn't mine red? Mm-hmm. He said, you know, you're not going to please everyone. And it was that whole mindset for me of going, I can't not innovate because of the negative people. And I also have to remember that I'm not going to get everyone on board for every idea. And I don't think it's a realistic uh, goal of yours to get everybody on board because you're going to be let down time and time again. I think what I had to do as a leader to really innovate was to find my other innovators on campus and let them lead. I realized that I didn't have to be at the forefront. I didn't have to be in every single planning meeting because it was my idea. I had to really learn to relinquish control and amplify the voices of others. And when I did that, and and when I say this, I want you to know that some of the people that I had to Uh, or that I allowed to be amplified, they didn't believe that they had that strength or that they were able to use their voice in that way. And that was the most exciting thing for me was getting somebody to believe in themselves for what I saw in them. And because when somebody is empowered and somebody feels like they matter and their voice matters and it's something they're passionate about, Oh boy, they will get more people on board than you could ever get people on board. 100%. And, and, you know, and sometimes it's just the fact that that sometimes some teachers just don't like leadership telling them what to do, but they'll listen to a teammate with mm-hmm. an idea. And so it's not about the leader getting the glory, it being the leader's idea. I had to learn that the hard way because in the classroom, it was my domain. I could do whatever I want. I can convince the kids to get on board, whatever. But when it came to being a leader, I had to learn that I may have some ideas and I may have a vision for that, but somebody else may be able to take and run with it even better than me. And I had to be okay with that. And when I started doing that, I started seeing people come around. And and really, when you get to know your people, you know how far you can push some of them. Because some people I could push over the edge and they would learn how to fly on the way down. Some people I could just get them to move an inch. And that was a win for that leader. <laughs> You know, that's that's such great advice, Todd. Listening to um, both of the, your, your answers for both of our first questions is that the theme there is really the mindset that you have um, and the approach that you take. And I love that whole, um, as the leader, you can't take the glory. Because, you know, with Laura and I, that's, that's, you know, one of our favorite quotes goes to, you know, as the leader, you give all the credit and take all the blame. And so that just kind of reemphasizes what we believe as well. 
Yeah, and and you've got to remember that no matter how well-intentioned the idea was, no matter how great the feedback you got from parents or students or faculty, there will always be somebody who tells you you didn't do it right, you didn't do enough, you forgot to do this, you said this and it hurt my feelings. And one thing that I really remember is that hurting people hurt others. And so that was one thing whenever anybody came at me for anything, I knew I had to really train myself to stop, let them get it out, listen to what they have to say, and keep in my mind, if it's coming from a place of anger or hurt, it's because they're hurting. And so I just need to let them get it out, not take it personally, and then work through it and try to figure out how to move forward. That's a really hard shift to make. Um, Oh, gosh, yes. And it's one that (laughs) you may get one day, and the next day you're like, oh, no, today I'm snapping back. back It is definitely not anything you're ever done learning how to do. My wife can tell you, I still am learning how to do that. And I'm so glad you brought up Ron Clark because we laughed so hard, and kids deserve it, your story with Adam pranking you um, and calling us Ron Clark. (laughs) But it seems to have worked out. It did, it, it did, but it was it was definitely one of those crazy moments (laughs) all right so in kids deserve it um you talked about using creativity to innovate in the classroom what role does creativity play in your leadership oh my goodness i think it is a huge role um i know that there's so much history in the way schools do things there's so much um you know, the we've always done it this way kind of mentality. And when I think about creativity, there's so many ways to view creativity. It's not changing everything all the time, but it's looking at, are there little twists and turns that I can do to make it better? And for me, I get most of my creativity when I'm on social media connecting with others. And I don't just mean consuming, Because some people think I can just get on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and I'll just go follow people and get great ideas from them. That's not where the real creativity happens. The real creativity comes when you start connecting with others. Because no matter how great your district is or your campus is, you're still limited to that small area and those few experiences. But when you put yourself out there on social media and begin to connect with others and ask questions and respond and send messages and and meet people at conferences and all kinds of stuff, you realize how much deeper your creativity grows because you're constantly being pushed by the ideas of others who aren't in your environment. That's such great advice. That's something that we've kind of been learning um, through this venture of the podcast. And it really is amazing this much larger connection that you can have with people um, nationally or globally um, and the ideas and things that the strengths that you build from that. Well, and I think sometimes it's affirming as well, like, oh, you struggle with that too? You know, that, that let's brainstorm that together or, oh, wow, I had never thought about it that way. So yeah, that's, um, that's been, that's been kind of a a great opportunity. Um, You know, we always try to give that plug for people on social media, just, you know, like you said, I love that it's not just that consumer piece because that's just, you know, no one likes a relationship where you're all taker, do you know? Um, So, so having that reciprocity of, Hey, have you thought about this? Uh, Just really invigorates your passion for everything. Totally. I completely agree. So in your third chapter of Kids Deserve It, it's all about innovation and using technology in the classroom. As current leaders of a school, we know how much our entire staff has grown with technology as a result um, of this pandemic. Um, In what ways do you see this helping push the profession of education as we move forward? Um, And what are some of your favorite 
technology resources? You know, I think as leaders, we have to be pushing ourselves to learn technology and use technology and not just for ourselves. You know, I always thought about, I shared so many tools with my staff throughout the years of, hey, use this in the classroom. Hey, here's a great idea. And I found that very few actually did that because they already had enough they were doing. They weren't going to listen to me share one more idea. But when I found a really cool tool and I wanted my staff to use it, what I learned to do was my staff meetings were never this boring sit and get kind of thing. So I would always use those technology tools in the staff meeting with the adults so they could see it in a real world action and have fun and then be like, hey guys, now break into teams and come up with three ways that you could use this within your grade level or your classroom. And then we're gonna share back as a group. And when they could see that more people were thinking about it, they actually used it, that was really helpful. As far as me, I mean, my technology tools that I use are all about making my life easier. I'm a huge social media fan, and I believe in getting the story out of your school through social media. And so I would use tools like If This Then That, IFTTT, which allows me to post in one place. And I've already set up all these recipes through If This Then That, that when I post on Instagram, it automatically goes to our Facebook page. It automatically goes to our Twitter. It automatically goes over here. And it pulls the photo off of Instagram and posts it in a Google Drive folder for me. So I have all the photos for the yearbook at the end of the year. Things like that, that people are like, how are you everywhere all the time? And I'm like, well, I'm really not. Like I learned <laughs> how to use these management tools that really help me get in places. Um, and then I just I just think about how can technology make me uh, allow me more time in the classroom? How can it allow me more time connecting face to face with people? Voxer is a walkie-talkie type app that's free that was huge in changing the way we communicated on campus. I convinced my teachers to download it because it was free and it was an easy way instead of sending a text or an email that can very easily get misconstrued through the tone and allowing people to comment via voice or I could leave feedback when I visited their classroom via a voice message. And so little things like that just I'm always looking at, is this tool going to make something easier for me and take something off my plate? Or is this just adding one more thing I'm going to be doing? Okay. I'm so glad you talked about Voxer because you talked about it a lot and kids deserve it. And I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I was still, I was like, what is Voxer? And she's like, I think it's like a walkie talkie kind of thing, but I didn't know in what context you used it. Well, you know, it's so funny because there's so many ways that I use it in my personal and professional life because I hate talking on the phone with a passion because some people you talk to, they'll go on for 30 minutes on a story that could have taken 15 seconds. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're trying to figure <laughs> out a time where that work for both of us to talk on right. the phone is difficult too. So with right. Boxer, like people reach out to me on Twitter all the time or my different friends will say, hey, do you have a minute? And I'm like, actually, I don't right now. But if you send me a Voxer message, I can listen to it when I get a chance and I'll respond back to you in there. Because so you Voxer, still use it? oh yeah, I still okay. use it every day. Okay. Um, I, I'm in several different groups with different principals and friends of mine, and we share ideas and resources and vent to each other because I can listen to it on my own time. I can rewind, I can pause, I can fast, I can set the speed up to four times their normal voice speed. So if they are a slow talker, I can listen to it a lot faster. Um, I can send GIFs and video and all kinds of stuff. I know that like my iPhone and my iMessaging, it has voice messages, but you can't pause. You can't rewind it. You got to start right. it all over. It, some of them disappear. I don't like that. Like yeah. I want full control. And Voxer does have a pro that's 30 bucks a year. I do pay for the pro because it allows me to recall a message if I put it in the wrong group or it allows me to transcribe a message if I want to hear what the person had to say, but I can't listen right then. 
But with my team, I mean, we used it all the time. Every grade level had a Voxer group. And so when I needed something from a first grade teacher, all the admin were in that group and all the teachers. And I could say, hey, um, we just want to meet with you after school real quick. Don't worry. It's nothing big. Just come and meet with me real quick. Or little things like that. Or when I was off campus, teachers could message me when a kid that I really connected with was misbehaving. They could send me a Voxer message. And even though I wasn't there, I could send a Vox back. The kid could listen to. So there's so many ways that, I mean, I still use it every day today. That's really interesting because I'd never heard about it before you, um, before reading your book. So that's really <laughs> cool to know, like the actual application of how you use it. Well, uh -huh. and that it's still relevant, you know, yeah. because things just, you know, come and go so quickly. So the fact that it's something that you're still using and, and I'm like you, like I, technology as you know people listen to our podcast knows that i'm still working laura's the tech savvy one of the of the group here <laughs> uh, but you know to your point it's not going away and so i learned a long time ago you can't expect your staff to do something that you're not willing to try or do yourself or fail a whole lot with um, in my case but i'm always looking for something that will make my job more efficient um, and so that's that's great that you're giving us the suggestions on that well, you know, and something I, I like to remind people about too, and I was always telling my staff this, is, you know, when you share tools with people, you're going to get some of the feedback sometimes where they say, uh, why am I going to learn how to use that? Next year, there's just going to be a new tool that I'm going to have to learn and another mm -hmm. new thing there. And I tell them, you do realize that every day your kids come to class, you're asking them to learn something new. <laughs> so how dare we ask our kids to learn something new every day if we're not willing to learn new things ourselves. There's no age limit in this world where it says you are done learning. You never have to do. No, especially as educators, we can't ask our kids to learn something new multiple times a day, every day, if we're not trying one new tool a year, at least. That's such a great reminder, you know, and, and so purposeful. Uh, I know oftentimes in, in our district, uh, particularly in large districts too, there's always, it feels like there's every year, there's this great new silver bullet that's going to solve everything. Yep. Yep. I mean, so, so, so educators who have been in the district for a while kind of get that, that idea of, okay, when's this leaving? So I'm, you know, I'm not going to jump on board. Uh, of course you have the other staff members who are like, yes, I'll take on anything, you know, I'll, I'll ingest anything that you give me. Uh, but, but yeah, it, that um, overcoming that, that's such a great way to have teachers look at that is how much we ask from students and families, quite frankly, um, and making sure that we are um, kind of practicing what we preach, if you will. So Todd, we know that leading any innovation requires trust. So in chapter seven, you discuss a lot of little things that leaders can do to make people feel important and establish a positive environment. Based on your experience as an innovative school leader, what are your top ideas that are either in your book or not in your book that you've implemented to create and cultivate a culture of trust and mutual respect? You know, I think that some of the little things that I've done is make time to listen to people with no ulterior motive other than to get to know them. I think uh, writing handwritten notes constantly throughout the year to recognize people, um, but more than that, calling or writing cards to their family members and their loved ones, letting them know the great job they're doing at school. That was huge the first year I started doing that. Um, I love calling a teacher into my into my office to say, you are doing a fantastic job. I want to call somebody and recognize you. Who can I call? And they give me a phone number and I put it on speakerphone and call that family member or that friend right there, brag about them, build them up, and then let them go. 
Um, and, you know, because as kids, a lot of us get to experience moments like that. But as adults, we don't get those experiences as much. And it's a powerful thing when somebody can call your dad or your grandma or your best friend and they get to brag about you and you didn't ask them to do that. Um, and so little things like that, I think, are huge. I love going in, and showing up at a teacher's classroom when I know they're having a rough day and saying, go take 30 minutes to do whatever you need to do. I love to cover your class for you right now. Um, you know, those little things where people feel seen, I always collected people's favorite Sonic drinks and whenever I knew they were having, or their team was having a rough day, I went and got their favorite drink from Sonic and brought it in and surprised them with it. You know, it's those little bitty things. They don't always have to cost money and they always take little bitty chunks of your time, but you win huge brownie points in the end. Okay. I have to tell you that, that good phone call home that gave me like goosebumps because you're right we do that with kids but just imagining doing it with adults and um it's like almost like a hallmark commercial to be honest with you. it is and, you know, and people people will cry all the time but the funny thing is is that that takes a minute and a half to five minutes of my time and it is completely free and it means more to that person than any silly little pen or bag or whatever gift i could have gotten them that is huge that you know we are we, we um we really try hard to individualize and recognize and appreciate our staff, but that's one we've not tried. Uh, so we're definitely adding that to our list for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tom, we often talk about the importance of self-care and trying to find a work-life balance. So in addition to being an educational leader, you're also an award-winning author, podcast host, blogger, speaker, devoted husband, and soon to be father of twins. Um, what, but congratulations, by the way. Yes. Thank um, you. So what do you do for self-care and how do do you find a work-life balance? You know, I don't think that's anything that anybody ever perfects. For me, it's always shifting and changing. Um, I realized and I had to be okay with putting myself first. And that took a long time for me to get there. As educators, we tend to be more selfless than other professions. And we always are talking about the kids, the kids, the kids. And what I had to learn the hard way was if I don't take care of me, I'm no good for anybody else. And so I had to really begin to say, no, I need to go home right now. No, I need to not do this today and do it another day. I need to put my phone out. I started disconnecting my email from my phone at 7 p.m. every day because that way I wasn't getting upset at a late email that came from somebody angry. I was waiting till the next day to deal with those emotions. Um, for me, it's, it's going on a daily walk in my community and just getting out in the sun. It's being able to say, I need to see a therapist when I need to see a therapist. It's knowing that it's okay to take medication if you're dealing with things like anxiety or depression or OCD or whatever people may be dealing with. For me, you know, I, I'm in the midst right now of trying to figure out an anxiety medication. I'm on my second one now to try to figure something to help me be my best self for those around me, family and job. And so, like I said, I think we all have to get to a point where we can say, it is okay to put me first right now. And we just, we have to be able to do that to really take care of ourselves. And it's hard, but. It is. And, and once again, we go back to that. It's not about the doing, it's about the mindset. Um, and so we've, we've talked a lot about ideas for self-care, but you're right. If you don't have that mindset of it's okay to be selfish in a sense, to take care of me so that I can take care of everyone else. That's a huge mind shift change. Yep. And also I really appreciate your vulnerability and just sharing that with us and our listeners, because 
there's as a school counselor, there's so much um, stigma around mental health, and the pandemic has really um, exacerbated that in the need for mental health. Um, and so I hope more than anything that it's really helped people um, understand how to prioritize that and just be vulnerable and open and willing to accept that help when you need it. Well, you know, and it's funny because I have been really open over the last six months or so and sharing that journey because, you know, it is one of those things that the more we talk about it, the more normalized it becomes and we have yes. to, and I haven't gotten any negative feedback and I have been flooded with messages from people saying, thank you for sharing this or, oh my gosh, I feel so less alone or I went through that too. I can't believe you're dealing with it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we all deal with stuff all the time. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's I've, I've been very open and honest and sharing with here's where I am. Here's the things I've done. Here's what didn't work for me, but worked great for this other person. So I'm just right. constantly changing. It does. It helps normalize it. And I think that's so important, especially right now. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. All right. Our last question that we have for you is actually um, the question that we end all of our interviews with, um, both when we're in the building interviewing a candidate to work with us and um, on our podcast, it's one of our favorite things to ask. So this is what are three words that others who know you would use to describe you? <laughs> um, probably <laughs> passionate, hard-headed, um, and hmm, I think the other one would be no excuses. I know those are multiple words, okay. um, but I think those are the things people would use about me. Well, Ty, we uh, appreciate so much you being with us today. Um, so if our listeners, you know, obviously want to get in touch with you, how, what's the best way to go about doing that? So my website's toddnesloney.com. Don't worry if you can't spell my last name. Google it the best way you can. It's the first thing that comes up. Um, it's got all my social media, books, blogs, resources, email list, all kinds of stuff. Um, but I'm Tech Ninja Todd on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. I'm everywhere, so you can find me anywhere. And now we're going to find you on Voxer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we will definitely uh, drop the links to your website in our show notes. Um, and Todd, thank you so much. Not only have you inspired our listeners, but I am just reinvigorated with the same um, excitement of when I saw you four to five years ago. Um, your energy is contagious, even when we're not in person. So thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Oh, thank you all so much. So today we were so excited to be able to learn from Todd's leadership as we continue our journey of reimagining schools. Now, if you're like us and you loved this episode, Reimagining School with Todd Nesloni, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons that you see at the bottom of the post. Now, we'd also love to know what your favorite takeaway from today's episode was. We know Todd provided so many great takeaways. So send us a message on Twitter or tag us with your ideas and takeaways at hashtag be the leader you deserve. Now, if this is your first episode, or if you've not listened to the entire first, second, or third season, we'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates for Be The Leader You Deserve. You'll be one of the first members to get notification when they drop every Friday morning. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just to get more frequent updates, quotes, and inspiration that'll help carry you through the week. Laura and I also post on our personal account, so make sure you follow and check us out as well. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really do help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. 
All right, everyone, have a great week. And don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve? And what am I doing about it?